Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Card Subject to Change. And true to our, the name of this podcast, the card has changed at the last minute. Uh, once again, Chris Peterson has uh, double booked himself. Well, I'm just thinking, Ken, in terms of if we're, if we're going to talk about a disappointing pay-per-view, we might as well start with some disappointment by having one of our co-hosts missing. Yeah, I mean, he's he's got so many so many irons in the fire, um, so many so many things going on. He's a busy man uh, making this this uh, blossoming, burgeoning empire grow. So he's unable to join us tonight. So but I'm Ken Jones. I'm, I'm works out if if. Uh, if he doesn't want to touch this pay-per-view, clearly that's in keeping with WWE, who has clearly yeah. avoided this pay-per-view in this week's programming on, on Raw. So it's it's okay for him to be missing. <laughs> so I am your host, Ken Jones, for the night. Uh, and joining me, as you've already heard, is Forrest Helvey. Forrest, how are you? I'm, I'm just sad. <laughs> the, <laughs> this was, let me ask you. This, did you, was, did, this pay-per-view was such a wet fart. Did, but hold on, I, I have the, to get ready to talk about Hell in the Cell 2019. Yeah, did you did you feel there the need? There we go. Now did I'm ready. Crack a Steve Weiser? I, I might have to uh, have a little liquid um, pain reliever mm. after rethinking this pay-per-view. Did you, did you feel like you wanted um, the model Rick Martell to... to uh, Spray some of his cologne into your eyes and blind you like Jake Snake <laughs> after this pay per view. <laughs> I would have settled for a Red Rooster match at this point. <laughs> oh, my my. Well, uh, <laughs> suffice to say, we we saw the pay per view, and like most of the internet wrestling community, uh, we were not real fans of uh, what happened, uh, but. M- I would say for me, overall, uh, the pay-per-view started off well, and not just with the opening match, but also like through the first like first half or so, and then started to kind of go downhill, and then we got the ending that we got. Um, what was your overall impression of the Night Forest? So I will say that I, I, I was blown away with the opener, with the Raw's you know, with the Raw Women's Championship. And I'm going to go on the record right now and say that's got to be in the match of the year um, contention. I'm not saying it wins it, but, man, it has to be in that discussion. That was a, just a barn burner. Um, I, I can't think of too many other Hell in a Cell matches that absolutely utilized the platform of the Hell in a Cell the way that Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks did. There was so much creativity in how they used all the different, you know, elements, you know, with the chairs, um, you know, I, I, I the whole time I kept looking at, at Sasha and thinking like Lady Meteora, that's like her new title. I mean, mm. just from the top of the ropes, from the ladder, from the chair, like it was awesome. That was wrestling right there. It was fantastic. And all so right. I was really excited and I was OK with some of the other uh, matches Initially, you know, being a little bit on the uh, on the slower, a uh, little less exciting, because I was really jazzed about what we were going to see with you know the Universal Championship and what we we're going to see with the WWE uh, title, and I did see things happen. 
<laughs> things happened. There were things happened. That yep, that took place. There there but, were um, matches on the paper. You pay-per-view. know how like when you kind of go into the lull and you expect to rise back up. No, no, there was actually no lull. It was just a continual downward trend. So, mm-hmm. um, I I did have some highlights, but we can save it as we we dig into it. Yeah. So uh, let's let's uh, dive right in. Um, I did not watch the opening. Uh, match on the pre-show, which was Natalia uh, defeating Lacey Evans by submission. For some reason, uh, when I went to the network to try to watch it uh, and look for the pre-show, it, it was nowhere to be found. Right. Yeah, same here. Oh, interesting. <laughs> so I guess we're going to skip that one. If, if the network doesn't care enough, then I guess yeah. we're not supposed to either. Kind of weird. Um, but anyways, so the opening opening match of the, the main card was Becky Lynch uh, defeating Sasha Banks in the Hell in a Cell by submission. Uh, and as you said, you, you thought this was uh, the best match uh, on the card. I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that. And uh, you, you have very high praise for it. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm sorry, but even that that elevated chair attached to the, the, the wall of the... the uh, the so corner of the cage. when yeah. when have you ever seen that before? Uh, I haven't. Uh, I will say I was a little disappointed in that move, just because I thought that she was setting up for for something bigger than just a um, uh, uh, a kick. Yeah, I the thing that I just kept thinking to myself over and over was, you know, the last pay per view with Sasha Banks. I just kept looking for. That hallmark high spot. Banks always has something in there to catch your eye or just really make you talk about her match. It's mm-hmm. why she's as good as she is. And I never really got that in the last pay-per-view. Man, oh man. <laughs> mm. There there, there was just high spot after high spot. The whole match throughout it. I'm just, you know, normally I kind of get a little bit antsy with that long of a match. But there was just something every single time. Yeah. And by the time the match ended... I couldn't really tell who won because, I mean, I know that Becky leaves with the belt, but man, did did Banks put on one heck of a show. I, I cannot talk about that match. Not that there were so many awesome spots. You know, I thought it was really they that was some great creativity in, in putting that whole piece together. Did you did you see the moment when uh, a, little, a little bit scary moment when Sasha's throwing chairs into the ring and almost hit Becky in the face. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, no, I agree. They, they both brought uh, their A-game for, for this match, and, and it really paid off. Um, yeah. I was, I was I admit I was a little disappointed in the fact that I wanted uh, Sasha to win. I thought this was a good spot for that to happen. Uh, but I'm okay with... Um, I guess I'm okay with it for now. I, I yeah. think I think Becky has to drop the belt sometime soon, unless unless yeah, they, they are I, gonna. the the other The other thing that they could do is just go like the full year with her being a champion and really solidify her place. And maybe maybe at like the Royal Rumble, like Ronda Rousey comes back or something and and wins and challenges her for a rematch at WrestleMania. You know what though? Like, and I know we're gonna go off on a sidebar here. But for me, I kind of don't want to see Ronda Rousey back. I know in some ways that she really helped bring in a lot of mainstream yeah. attention. But I feel like since 
you know, with Rousey coming in and just plowing through everyone, she busted the women's division. I mean, yeah. who else it's- is left that would emerge from her wake? You've got Charlotte and you've got Becky. And nobody else really kind of exists on any significant level, you know, beyond that. And so, you know, but prior to Rousey, we had a more dynamic women's, you know, division. So I'm I'm okay with Rousey staying out. I want to see them rebuild the women's division. Um, I think having Sasha back and and holy crap, was she back? Yeah, Um, I think that's a good sign for the division. Um, But I think they need to continue to build up the undercard. Um, to really give her some more opponents to to show just how good she is in the ring. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I would, I, I just, I don't know what their plans are long term. Um, obviously, I don't think they're completely out of the. I, I just get the feeling that they're not out of the Ronda Rousey business um, yet. Although, and we, I, I don't know where her contract situation is. Uh, I don't know. There was talk about her wanting to you know, like start a family and stuff too. So, I mean, maybe that, maybe it's more, maybe it was just like a one year thing for her to say that she did it and, and then she can walk away with her head out high. So, yeah, I don't know. But I, I have to say like <clears throat> with that performance, like it, it absolutely elicited a response out of me. Like, I, oh yeah. It's wooing. And I was at one point <laughs> I caught myself clapping. Um, This was wrestling. This is the kind of thing that I love to see there was an element of thoughtfulness behind it, but there was another element of it where I'm like, I don't necessarily know exactly what's going to happen. You don't know happen. what the outcome's going to be, right? And I love it. Yeah, um, that's, that's where you want to be as a yeah, fan. Yeah, they got me where I wanted <laughs> to be, and I couldn't believe that they took me there right with the first main match of the night. That was yeah. that was great. Yeah, so uh, obviously I think we're both in agreement that this was the the highlight of the night. Uh, it all goes downhill from well, I mean, you know, following up on that, we got the Tornado Tag Team match uh, where Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns defeat Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. I thought I thought uh, this match was pretty solid as well. Um, uh, it it uh, you don't you don't get very many Tornado Tag Team matches, and so because of that, it had it had a very uh, fast pace to it. I thought that. Um, you know, because there there was all four competitors were were in the ring and going going at it at basically at the same time, uh, so it it was it was a nice uh, change of pace. Your thoughts for us? Uh, this was a good beer break match for me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, i I didn't care about the storyline going into it. All right. Um, Rowan's not the most exciting as a lead heel in a storyline, so that doesn't really work. Luke Harper doesn't give off a whole lot. He's a very good techni- you know, uh, worker in the ring, but right. character-wise, not doing a whole lot for me. And I just don't buy Brian and, and Reigns. So for me, uh, was there anything wrong with the match? No, actually, I didn't see anything that threw me off, you know? But there was also nothing really exciting. It was there. It filled some time. And, you know, it happened. But nothing okay. nothing exciting. See, so but I'm again, gonna, I'm okay I'm with, disagree that with you slightly because we came off of this massive adrenaline rush that was the first match. And I don't know that you really want to have 
a, you know, an overly extended period where the, the, the fan is always on. So right. I think that I mean, this gonna was a good breather. Out, right. Yeah, I thought this was a good filler breather match. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're a little down on Daniel Bryan overall uh, compared to me anyways. Yes. So that, that's probably why you didn't enjoy the match as much. But uh, I, I, for people that are fans of Daniel Bryan, like I am, uh, this was a fun match to, to see. Um, I, I feel like we're not getting... Uh, I think we're, we're closer to the end of Daniel Bryan's run as a wrestler or a full-time wrestler than we, than we realize. Uh, and so he, like, he was going all out in this match. Um, he, he did the, the suicide dive through the ropes, which I think is the, the first time he's been allowed to do that since coming back from his head injury. Um, and usually like he'll, he'll, uh, go to do it. And then someone will, you know, before he can dive through the ropes, someone jumps up and like punches him or get, moves out of the way or something like that. So they've been very protective of him. It's, it really felt like this felt like a different Daniel Bryan match than we've seen uh, for me, anyways, uh, in recent memory. You know, I would say that even earlier when he had first come back, you know, some of his matches with AJ, I think there was a match or two with Ali. Those were a little bit more exciting, a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, faster pace. It was a better complement of styles. And I think really you've got three big men and one one little guy. Yeah. And I'm not taking anything away from Brian's, you know, skill in the ring. I just I don't feel like his his approach worked well with with Rowan and, you know, with um with Harper. So for me, again, I'm okay with having a little bit of a lower key match where I'm less invested because it kind of gives you that chance to catch your breath a little bit before what you were hoping might be an interesting match next. Mm. So, yeah, the uh, I will say also I thought that maybe there was an outside shot that uh, all of this was a long con by Daniel Bryan and he was going to turn on Roman Reigns in this match. Um, that obviously didn't happen, so I think there's probably more credence to the fact that they're turning Daniel Bryan uh, from a heel back to, to a face right. uh, to kind of placate the um, or satisfy the, the wishes of uh, probably Fox Sports with the SmackDown move to, uh, to Fox. He was a great heel. So he was. <laughs> yeah. So uh, moving on, we had uh, Randy Orton defeating Ali and... I'll I'll ask you about this, but at this point, I started to realize to myself that I didn't know half of the matches or the majority of the matches actually that were on the card for for Hell in a Cell because this one came out of nowhere for me, and then come to find out it had been made during the match had been announced during the pre-show. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what did you think of this match? I initially was asking myself, why do I need this match? Mm-hmm. And then I got the kind of the background for the uh, commentators that, you know, like you said, it was it was brought up in the kickoff show. And then I was like, oh, OK, why do I need this match? <laughs> I don't need yeah. this match. Uh, the only thing that I could kind of speculate about was that Orton is going to be headlining um Team Flair for the Blood Money pay-per-view coming up. <laughs> and they needed to give him some credibility. Um, That's not the name of the pay-per-view. 
Oh, I'm sorry. Is it Blood Money 2 or Blood Money 3? I can't remember. <laughs> Anyhow, I kept going back to I don't care. <laughs> this is not a match I care about. So it happened. It's fine. Yeah. It, it was... Ali was not as exciting and dynamic as I've seen him before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Randy did a great job of, of more headlocks and holds, which is, you know, exciting. Part of his repertoire. <laughs> yeah. I will it, say, I thought the, the ending of the match was kind of creative. How he, uh, Ali, kind of, um, he got out of the RKO. And that kind of caught Orton off guard. And then Ali went for something and Orton got him with an, another RKO. See, and then, I saw that and thought it was a botched RKO. <laughs> no, no, I thought it was creative. <laughs> See, I, it, yeah, it, I looked at that. I was like, "Oh, he botched that up." And then no. the commentators said it was a counter. I'm like, "Yeah, all right, I guess so." It, no, it, it worked for me. I, I saw it. I was like, "Oh, that was that was a creative little twist." And then Orton got him again, and it was just kind of like, you know, the the wily old veteran showing the rookie kind of that he still got uh, a ways to go, but he was still kind of. You know, like a little grudging respect there at the end for almost uh, pulling it off. Yeah. So it it was kind of flat for me. Yeah, and we don't need to spend more time on it than than I think we just did. So yeah. Uh, next, I, we got a tag team women's tag team championship where Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were defeated by my notes tell me. Am I saying this right? The Kabuki Warriors of Asuka and Kari Sane. I hate you. Am I pronouncing those names right? (laughs) It's because you haven't seen them in a long time and you don't remember how to pronounce them. I vaguely remember these these two wrestlers uh, having, you know, been exciting at one point. Yes, the Kabuki Warriors. Of Asuka and Kairi Sane are our new women's tag team champions. And how do we feel about this? So I was really excited to see Asuka and Kairi Sane being brought out to have a match. Mm-hmm. I was not feeling great about being in the women's tag team championship because it seems like they've been very high on Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. Um, and I was really going to be unhappy about them having to do the job for this weird you know <laughs> pairing so i will say overall i'm happy that at least they're getting some championship belts to work off of you know i think this is a good example of two two wrestlers who need the belt to re-elevate themselves mm. um and get a little bit of screen time I'm okay with with heel Oscar. Heel Kyrie Sane feels a little weird to me. That it one I'm not as ways to go. Yeah, you know I don't. That one I'm not quite there. You know with yet. Um, I liked kind of the throwback green mist. You know you, you do yes. see a number of two words. That's all you know, I have wrestlers for in the past. Green uh, mist. I was so happy. You know, so overall, not a bad match. Um, what I would like to see, and I'm kind of hoping for, is that with the upcoming, um, you know, draft, they kind of let Alexa and Nikki split and go their separate ways. Um, and I'd like to see Asuka and Kyrie Sane hold the tag team championships for a while, mm. you know, buzz through some people, but, you know, establish those belts a little bit. They've been so, 
I mean, they're they're better than the twenty four seven title, but not much. Yeah. So, I, I, not, not a not a great technical match, but I think it, it could set at least two of of the wrestlers up for a little bit more exposure, maybe re rehabilitate them a little bit. It's still yeah. the women's tag team. It's not a championship belt uh, in the same way as the raw or the SmackDown. But I think it does have an opportunity to provide some level of rehabilitation for two wrestlers who are fantastic, but yes. have been just grossly ignored. Yeah. I mean, Alexa and Nikki are okay without the belts. Um, they can, they can go in directions with them uh apart from the title uh it, although it looks like they may probably still be in the picture for at least a little while longer uh based on their ex- coming down to the ring and attacking on on raw monday night right um but i think you're right like putting the belts on the kabuki warriors uh gives them a chance to to rehabilitate uh the characters uh hopefully they can go on like a long run where you said like, they're kind of like a buzzsaw through the division or whatever. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> first of all, they shouldn't have to be rehabilitated, but we're, that's a, that's a longer conversation. Right. Um, I mean, Oscar, I mean, we are so far removed from the chance of Oscar's going to kill you. Uh, right. It, it's such a shame, but hopefully this is the start of the road back. And, I really hope that that is because, you know, if we get Oscar and Kyrie Sane elevated, and we get we we got Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks and Charlotte and Bailey where they are, and you got Alexa and Nikki Cross where they are, and you got you know Carmella and maybe like one or two others, you got a you got a full fledged division at that point, and you just got to give them the time uh, on the shows. To, to sustain it because mm-hmm. they, they've shown that they can they've shown that they can carry uh the ball right so give them a chance uh yeah so with that said uh moving on we had a six-man tag team match after this with the viking raiders and braun Strowman defeating the oc of aj styles luke gallows and carl anderson um this match didn't really do anything for me um, I, I basically, as soon as I saw that Braun was the, uh, tag partner of the Viking Raiders, I, it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win. So, you know, the thing that came to my mind as I was watching this match was I rem- was remembering the last tag team match with, uh, Ricochet and Alistair Black, and they wrestled against the Viking Raiders. Mm-hmm on NXT and if if you were to see the entrance that the Viking Raiders who are really the War Raiders had as they came in I mean it would have blown you away yeah. like, they were just the epitome of badass it was one of the best entrances I've seen in years um the the match was fantastic you know um and you've got a good mix going on right you know you've got um OC, I think, has a wonderful uh, mix of, of styles. You've got, they do. Men, you've got flyers, you've got some technical. It's a really good mix, you know, and I think that they could have they could have delivered a really good match. Like you said, as soon as Braun Strowman comes out, it's like, okay, well, yep. you know how this is going to go. And, and <laughs> you know what? You know what Braun's going to do? He's going to do the thing from post to post and 
in the ring, and and then you he's gonna do chop down the giant, and then and then Braun's gonna run around the outside of the ring and and pancake everybody, and then there's gonna be a you know power slam in the ring, and then the match will be over. The, yeah, yeah. I, th- this could have been a good opportunity to build up the Viking Raiders a little bit. I don't think anyone in the OC would have been damaged by taking a pinfall. Yeah, um, no, because I mean. <laughs> Aside from AJ Styles, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson take a pinfall basically every match that they have. Right. You know? So. You know, I think it would have been good for that, but, you know, it is what it is. This wasn't, again, like, I was feeling pretty good about the women's tag team match, at least the results. So this one was kind of a throwaway for me. Yeah. And this was honestly, like, I'll, I got to admit, the Viking Raiders do nothing for me. They, they, I, I literally. They showed up on Monday Night Raw, and I clicked over to Monday Night Football. I, I just <laughs> I have no interest in them whatsoever. Which 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 sucks because they were over like Grover in NXT, and yet they were just damaged the minute That's they came. That's fine, but you know what? So were the Ascension, and and so were. The authors of pain. And... and what you're doing is you're describing tag teams. And I think that that speaks to it's not the team. It's not the wrestlers. It's not the ideas behind them. I think it's just an inability to to sell them with the raw and the SmackDown, you know, uh, booking. They yeah. just don't know how to present them well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's long been said that Vince doesn't care about tag team division. So and that's clear. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the Viking Raiders and Braun Strowman won by disqualification. Honestly, like I would have been okay with like the OC getting like a, a cheating, like underhanded kind of victory here, where mm-hmm. you know Braun Strowman goes like posts himself like with the shoulder, and then something happens where you know the referee's heads turned and Anderson and Gallows uh, do something to one of the Raiders and get right. get the pin. But uh, no, we get the standard. Um, well, no, it was just disqualification. But uh, yeah, anyways, moving on. Uh, Chad Gable, or I guess Shorty Gable. I'm not sure Ugh. what was going on with that. Uh, defeated King Baron Corbin. Um, yeah, another match that I, I really didn't care much for. So I want to bring up one thing that this this kind of emphasized. I want to bring up something positive, Kenny, because okay. I feel like there's a lot in this pay-per-view that it's easy to get really down on because right. it was a bad pay-per-view. All right, lay it on me. <laughs> but this match reminded me that the commentary has actually gotten to be about 50% better in, in really WWE, which okay. says a lot. Because I was hearing a lot of Corey Graves in this match and how awful he typically is. And it reminded me that on the Raw matches, he's not there talking. And Renee Young's not there talking. <laughs> so at least on the Raw matches, I have a little bit more quiet. Um, <laughs> so it's been kind of nice to enjoy some of the matches and not listening to it. Now, of course, we hear Corey Graves going on and on um, about the super tough guy, yeah. <laughs> Corbin. Um, but yeah, no, this was, this was again, another match where I don't care. And, and I know the story that they're trying to tell, but I'm also going to say like Corbin's not a slow clunky big man. 
No, he's not. He moves fast. If you ever watch when he does that roll out of the ring and yeah. back underneath, and then nine times out of ten catches a guy, it is yeah. really fluid. I'm not trying to give too much credit to Corbin. It is, but he also needs to stop doing it two ma- two times per match. You know, just do that. Just right. do that once. That's but, like. But the problem, like, I guess, that I'm looking at is he is way too big, too quick to realistically take that much hit. From from Chad Gable, it, it just doesn't look believable. And I mean the the sheer reach, height, weight, the whole spread is it just doesn't work. Well, yeah, but it's the cockiness that does him in. He has the physical tools. His problem is his ego. But you can't you can't sit there and have Chad Gable doing a German suplex. And really getting me to believe that he's pulling that off and and really damaging Corbin with it. I, it just does not wash. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna defend Gable versus Corbin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna go out on that like, limb. <laughs> why do they keep beating us with this match over and over again? What is that? The third time we've had to watch these two. Yeah, off? it's. I'm good. I, it's it's their whole. King Cor- it's the whole Baron Corbin, um, I don't know, plan that they have of not shoving him down our throats, but uh, you know, making sure that he's one of their top heels. And that's fine. I just want to see him paired off against somebody where at least it looks somewhat more credible. Mm-hmm. This doesn't work for me at all. Maybe, maybe like a, even though he's a smaller guy like Gable, maybe like a Ricochet. Something. You know, at least Ricochet's up and flying high and hitting it. That right. practically makes a little bit more sense for me. Okay. But and he is a lo- little bit bigger than Gable. Not much. <laughs> Every little bit counts when you're that short, I guess. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Team Graves over here, apparently. But I'm dumped. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from that uh short recap. Uh-huh. <laughs> We've got uh, Charlotte Flair becoming a 10-time women's champion by defeating Bailey via submission. Um, where was this pay-per-view held? Was it in uh, Sacramento? Sacramento? I think, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so Bailey had a little bit of a home crowd advantage, although I don't think she's actually from Sacramento. No, uh, um, San Jose. San Jose, okay. Yep. Oh, that's actually kind of close pretty close okay so not exactly or it's not like charlotte wrestling in charlotte or sasha right. banks wrestling in boston but kind of close and uh so she had the, she had the crowd behind her uh and charlotte ended up uh, coming on on top though and bailey uh <laughs> with yeah. the whole it's not fair uh why does this always happen to me walking out of the uh out of the match basically in tears uh, Here's what's funny. Again, this match, eh, whatever. You can't tell me you didn't think that Charlotte wasn't going to walk out of there with a title in hand. Not with the draft coming up. Not with SmackDown yeah. being on Fox and her being the SmackDown. Cha- no, that was going to happen. We everybody knew it. So again, the match for me itself was eh, whatever. But oddly enough, just like the last match, the very ending of it kind of clicked for me. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, Bailey, like you said, that 
just the sniveling, whining, and crying. You know, yeah. this isn't fair. And why is this? And the crowd. I don't know if you caught this from the crowd, but they're kind of you know making fun of her, chanting. You know, like you tapped out. <laughs> yeah. So I liked that back and forth between her and the crowd. Um, so I thought in terms of establishing her as as a heel, it did a really nice job on that front. So it did make me kind of curious. I'm like, okay, so both Bailey and Sasha had you know lost. How much more of a turn are we going to get? And I think that that to me was an interesting place to end for that character. Um, I don't again, I really don't think it did anything for Charlotte other than no. give her back her belt that Vince wants her to have. But and I thought it actually did develop Bailey a little. The suits of Fox also wanted her to have. Right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see where Bailey goes from here. Um, I, and, and like you said, also Sasha. I, I got a feeling Sasha and Becky will both stay on Raw, and Charlotte and Bailey will both stay on SmackDown. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'm not sure. Well, I just, I mean, you could flip Bailey and Sasha, I suppose. But Sasha and Charlotte had a really great program like two years ago. Right. Like, I don't think you need to run that back like now. I would I would maybe like hold off on that on having another like great rivalry between the two of them. I think I think Becky and Sasha, there's still some good story that can be that can be found there, you know. Right. So I think it makes sense to keep those four women exactly where they are and uh and go from there right but uh well for us it's time to get into it the match that uh unfortunately for better or worse everybody's talking about coming out of this pay-per-view and that's the hell in a cell match for the universal championship where seth rollins retained over the fiend bray wyatt where the match was called via stoppage by the referee. All right, hold on. I got to get ready for this one. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Another Steve Weiser. Okay. Yep. Um, so there's a lot to unpack here. Uh-huh. Um, Bray comes out again with the, the head on the lantern, which still creeps me out. That's the side I of love nightmares. That, by the way. It, it really is amazing. Uh, it's such a... Cool little touch, uh, horrifying little touch, but cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the ring is the arena is darkened, and the entire match is done under red lighting. Hated it. Which I don't remember the last time that's ever happened where they've had mood lighting for a match. Um, so that was a thing. Um, so we have Seth and Bray fighting throughout the match, and Bray is pretty much impervious to anything. Seth throws his way. Um, That's also, I think, not great. Uh, Which, I mean, I think they could have done that to an extent, but the degree that they took it to, even before um, the last half of the match, which devolved into utter stupidity uh i i I, you can only go so far making your heel uh like impervious to pain like not even not even zeus when they brought him in to challenge hogan 
from from no holes barred was was this kind of this impervious to pain right as, as we're seeing with bray uh and then we get you know bray's having his way with seth all throughout the match uh tossing around like a rag doll um just you know doing whatever he wants and and uh, a bray wyatt victory seems inevitable and then the match turns and there's a series, almost unending series, one could say, of of Seth giving stomps to Bray Wyatt's head. Um, and Bray keeps kicking out. And then there's chair shots and more chairs and a toolbox is in there at some point. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then halfway through all this, I'm saying to myself, this is really dumb. This is really, really dumb. So, so here's, here's go where ahead. I got really hung up, Ken, you know, is that you bring up a really important point, and that's the imperviousness of the fiend. And I think to a point, having him be durable is one thing. Yes. You know? But I think I remember last year, and I, I can't remember which specific. I'm inclined to think SummerSlam, but I'm not positive. But it was Roman versus Brock for one of the many, you know, universal championship matches. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Brock hits Roman with like five, five F5s, F5s yeah. finally pinning him. And I remember, you know, everyone was like, this is ridiculous. What effect does the F5 have if it takes that many? I think we're up to 11 stomps yeah. on the Fiend. So and a Rollins, Rollins has officially broken... His finishing move. That finishing move yep. no longer finishes. Well, no, no, just style. just against Bray. Everybody else, it's 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 over and done with. But with with the fiend, <sighs> with the fiend, it it doesn't it doesn't do anything. You get you know, one count. So you have that in play, right? Then you have you know earlier in the match, you have the fiend who does a vicious neck snap. That's not a wrestling move. That's a killing blow. Mm-hmm. And they show, you know, Rollins kind of convulsing, you know, on the mat. At this point, are we wrestling over a belt anymore? I mean, um, foreseeably, you're wrestling to compete to see who is the most, you know, who's the most competitive, strongest, you know. Right. Adversary. Like it's, on the roster. Yeah, right. You're snapping his neck. You're basically faux-killing him. Right. Um, what's going on here now at this point? Like and, what? And that's where we're starting to beyond jump the shark, you know? Right. And then you go further in, and suddenly he pulls out this mallet that looks like yeah. it's straight out of Looney Tunes. Yep. And the thing that really kind of blew my mind is we're okay with having a Looney Tunes mallet but we call the match after seth brings out a tiny sledgehammer right why is it and and then i'll go another step further we're okay with mallets and kendo sticks and tools and tables and all of this stuff and snapping someone's and snapping someone's neck and snapping someone's neck but suddenly now we're not okay with 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 sledgehammers when the sledgehammer when seth when seth brings a sledgehammer out the referee appeals to his better uh, angels and so, like makes a humane appeal to him. He's a man. You're going to end his life. What are you doing? Get a grip on yourself. 
and it's it's the same broken logic where you have a no disqualification match, but as soon as you put your foot or your hand on the rope, you got to break the hold. Yeah, it's a no disqualification match in the like fashion. This is a no holds barred when you're hell in the cell, and yet suddenly now we're going to go ahead and call it. Yep. It almost felt like at this point the you know the train was off the rails and we just need to stop it. Um, you know, and no surprise that the crowd's yelling BS and AEW and yep. just booing every match. I mean, congratulations to Rollins. He did, in fact, burn it down. Um, that would be his career <laughs> credibility, uh, so at least for the moment. Let me let me ask you, because I, I asked you this earlier when we were uh, on me- Facebook Messenger. Um, did this match ruin The Fiend and Seth Rollins? For the crowd? Well, in that moment, absolutely. They're booing your top, you know, face. And truth be told, they're booing the hottest wrestler on the roster right now. Yep. How do you come back from this? And the worst thing is the way they have it ending. So not only does, you know, the fiend snap his neck. Oops, didn't really count. But then you have a mandible claw where Rollins is spitting up from the ridiculous yeah. amount of blood. Yeah. <sighs> I, I, the Gaga went overboard. Yes, to put it mildly. Um, so we've this is two matches now where Bray has had um, this kind of thing going on, where it just, for whatever reason, it does not work. He had the, the WrestleMania match a couple years ago with Randy Orton, where they were putting... Uh, weird images like on the wrestling mat. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I heard an interview with him before that WrestleMania that weekend where he said, oh man, we got something great planned uh, for this match. Like we're, we're going to steal the show. And that was a complete dud. And now we get this, this thing here with the red mood lighting, the, the fiend getting, uh, you know, beaten within an inch of his life, basically, and possibly killed, and then popping up and and mandible clawing Seth and and um, having the whole blood thing that you talked about. It's just someone I, I don't know who's coming up with this stuff when it's involved with with Bray. If it's him or or someone else that's that's booking the match, but. Uh, that person needs to be reined in because this is not this is not helpful for for Bray Wyatt or for the character. Playing no, I mean, how do you co- again? I keep coming back to how do you come back from this? You know, the fiend is absolutely <laughs> you know impervious to your top yeah. you know heel fin- uh, top faces finishing move, right? And and how does Seth come back from this? And the right. fact that, again, you have your top face getting vigorously booed and sworn at mm. by the crowd. That's a problem. I mean, check me if I'm wrong, but when were California, you know, audiences, the hostile territory, this wasn't Philly. This wasn't Chicago. This wasn't, you know, Brooklyn, up in this Toronto. Wasn't, uh, Brooklyn. You should have had a gimme and to have them just turn so hard. Yeah. You know, and again, I think it's very telling that, this week's Raw opens up with no mention of what happened. Well, that's how you come. That's that's uh, part probably their strategy of how 
I mean, that's all you uh, can do. They would at this say point. that you come back from it is you just pretend it never happened. And and the problem they're going <laughs> to run into is you know I, I was hearing you know I know this is dirt sheet rumor but you know rumor is that Bray Wyatt was injured as a result of this and they're not sure when he's coming back right away. Oh, outstanding! So you really broke your top heel. Yeah. You know. Well, if that's true, then that's that's adding insult. And can I? This this compounds the problem, right? Because you just had your Universal Championship get just dragged through the muck. And how many people are looking at that championship as like, wow, that was awesome. And then now take a look over at what just happened recently on SmackDown. Yep. WWE has some booking issues. And, yep. you know, this was a really disappointing wet fart of a pay-per-view, which is mind-blowing when you think about what an amazing job Sasha and, and Becky did in the open. Yeah. And honestly, like, maybe we should have seen it coming, given that, you know, basically everything that WWE was doing leading up to this pay-per-view was actually geared toward the premiere of SmackDown on Fox the Friday before. Mm-hmm. And it really felt like... Like this pay per view was an afterthought. Uh, I I don't know why, when you know over a year in advance when you're moving from USA to to Fox with SmackDown, that you would that you would have that on your calendar, and then you would book a pay per view for two days after it, and why not move it back like a week or something? To give it some air, to give it some space, room to breathe, and and just like I said at the beginning, like I didn't know what half the matches were when they were coming out. Like Randy Orton comes out, who's he having a match with? The Viking Raiders, who are they having a match with? Mm-hmm. Charlotte Flair. I was like, does Charlotte? Does, is I asked Chris actually during uh, while I was watching, do Charlotte and Bailey have a match tonight? And, like, I had no idea. And apparently WWE didn't either because (laughs) the ending of this pay-per-view was just a complete disaster. And it was it was a half-baked it was a half-baked pay-per-view. They didn't they didn't think Mm -hmm. it through. So but I'll tell you this. I have I have a little bit of a consolation prize, Kenny. And it's this. Tommaso (laughs) Ciampa is back (laughs) on NXT. And he's going to go get Goldie. Yeah. And Finn Balor has re-arrived at NXT. So as far as I'm concerned, at least one of the main rosters at WWE can can put on a good entertaining show. Mm-hmm. Let's just hope that, you know, the blue and red brands can take a, you know, a couple notes off of the, the black and gold. They, they really have the work cut out for them. They need to really capitalize on this uh, draft starting this Friday. Mm-hmm. And concluding next Monday, because um, yeah, they need to they they need to put as much distance be, between themselves and this pay per view as possible. Yep, because it was it, it was easily the worst pay per view of the year, yep. and and the worst one I can think of in recent memory for for WWE pay per views. Right, I mean there yep. there were ones that happened where you know it was lackluster and you kind of left it feeling indifferent. And it didn't really push anything forward. This was actually harmful to your product. Yep. 
And you can't say that about like many pay-per-views. You can say that, like I said, you can say it didn't do much. It didn't, uh, it didn't, it didn't work or it just, it, you know, but to, to actively harm characters and, and harm your overall product and, and what you're trying to put forward on and no, not to mention all of this happening the week the AEW debuts mm-hmm. on TV and you, you, you do so much harm and alienate and antagonize the fans in the, in the arena so much to the point that they start chanting AEW yep. the week that AEW debuts. I can't emphasize that enough. Like, Congratulations! Tip of the cap to you, Vince McMahon and WWE, on really screwing the pooch there. Like, <laughs> what are what are you what are you thinking? Well, you know what though, I look at it like this: maybe that this will op- you know give AEW the impression that there's an open door for them to to punch through. Maybe, and that's that's only going to go ahead and hopefully spur WWE on to do something better with with their product. To, to let Vince go off and do his uh, XFL thing and hand over the reins to uh, Stephanie and Triple H. Well, just, or at least just <laughs> Triple H. <laughs> no, I, I, I think Stephanie would be okay too. I, 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 yeah, both of them need to be running the show. Well, well, I don't know about you, Ken, but I think that that's probably more thought that uh, has gone into yeah. your cell than they put into it. <laughs> Yeah, we definitely put more thought into that than they did. That's uh, <laughs> uh I mean, that's a low bar to clear too. That's like, uh, yeah, we'll just leave it at that. So, um, <laughs> all right, I guess we did this thing. Um, yeah, you got anything you want to uh, plug or you know any class closing thoughts? Uh, you know, I have uh, I have some more comic reviews coming out on uh, Newsarama. So if you like four colored funnies of all kinds and, and genres, go ahead and uh, check out Newsarama. I'm on the uh, Rapid uh, Review Crew, so check us out. And uh, other than that, I'm going to be just trying to nurse the pains that w- uh, came from watching this mm-hmm. this wet fart of a pay per view. A couple more Steve Wises should do. Yeah, the trick. a couple more. <laughs> all right, so uh, you can find Forrest on Twitter at F Helvy. And I'm uh, Ken Jones at KenJones81, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Again, I don't know how to end this thing, so we're just <laughs> done. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>